What's up, everybody? It's Steve Fury, your host of World on Drugs. I am back. The show is back. Oh, how you been, guys? I've been pretty good. Can't complain. The world is coming back. Getting a bunch more shows. Things are coming together. Hope you guys like that double parter. Um, we might start doing that a little bit more. Maybe we'll do like the couple single ones and then do a double parter where we do a deep dive into someone and get really into it. I thought the last couple episodes were pretty great. I uh, loved the format, loved how we were doing it. Uh, we got another great one today, guys. Not going to lie, not biased at all, even though it's my podcast and I'm it's everything I enjoy. Um, <laughs> this one we got with my buddy Jason Chenny. He uh, is one of my best buds in comedy, man. I'll tell you a little bit more about, about him, but the cool thing is, is he is actually Taiwanese from Taiwan and from Jungho City, where this where these guys started. So he gives a different take on the Bamboo Union. Um, these guys were pretty cool. To get information about them is pretty hard because, as you guys will learn, they tend to assassinate anyone talking about them. So you know, kind of a badass that we decided to do it anyway. But we did, and it's a pretty good episode, man. These guys, uh, now that's gruesome, but you just get to see how these crime organizations work in places like Taiwan. I bet you've never thought of gangs in Taiwan. And these guys, I love to see the growth. Um, they start as a street gang and then become pretty much government agents and secret military for the Taiwanese government. So... I mean, if that doesn't get you, what the fuck else do you want? We get a really cool thing with Jason coming in and telling us uh, his experiences and how uh, Taiwanese culture works over there. Pretty special. You know, I kind of like that. I'm thinking maybe, you know, one day this podcast can mix in comedians and maybe some people that have worked with these groups. But, you know, they might be considered snitches and it might not work. Research, we got another Dr. Joe Hoffswell. Um, he did a great job, especially these guys are not easy. You know, when we, when we started doing these ones on different countries, I don't know if you guys know this, uh, I had to learn this, but they actually speak and write in a different language. So not easy to get information. Wish I would have thought that before I gave my life to the pod. No, it's actually great. This is a great episode. What can I say about Jason? Um, I met Jason eight, nine years ago, we both did this thing called the World Series of Comedy. Um, when we both started, no one knew who we were. No one was being nice to us. We did this fucking World Series of Comedy, which is some bullshit. Not bullshit, but I, I didn't win it, so to me it's bullshit. Jason actually won the World Series of Comedy, which has like 500 comics from all over the country. They all do little shows in their towns, and then they go to bigger towns, and then from that town they go to Vegas, and Jason won. He's a very funny guy. He has a great perspective and a, a unique uh, point of view in comedy, being that he came from Taiwan in the military school, and he's just a sweet boy. So if you love clean comedy, Jason definitely is the guy you want to go to. We met in San Diego. No one was talking to us. I thought he was funny. I'm, I tend to, I'll tend to put out a little olive branch action. I walked over to him, said, how you doing? We went and got some burritos, and uh, we've been friends ever since. We both kind of came to L.A. at the same time. We were, we would come, we'd come to L.A. and then go very far to do comedy shows because no one would book us in L.A. And to see him grow um, into a great comic and a great friend has been really uh, kind of a treat, man. So, uh, you may know George, uh, Jason from the World Series of Comedy. I think he won that about five years ago. Man's even better now. Uh, his podcast, Recess Time, with he does with his buddy Will Burkhart. Uh, Jason, you know, 
He's a road dog, kind of like me. He goes even farther, so keep an eye out. He's probably coming to... Hallie, get off me. Stop trying to try make me... Always got to pet this fucking cat. He's probably coming to a city near you, man. He goes to, like, all the loony bins, funny bones, shit like that. So you got the recess. Uh, he, you've, you may have seen his set. If you want to see one, he did do the Fox show Laughs on Fox. So that's on the internet. Uh, his TikTok is banging. I think he's at like 100K or 50K. Um, he always putting out little stand-up clips. Check him out. Follow him there. Check out his podcast, Recess Time. Um, now, Cat, if you don't fucking leave me alone. So let's go into some of the stuff I say check out. So check out his podcast. Uh, check out the TV show Dirty John, I believe. It's either on Netflix or Amazon Prime. Um, so in the beginning of that show, it's about this guy who turns out to be a real fucking psycho and he marries this chick. Oh, that's nice. Thank you, computer, for making that. Oh, my, my car mats were delivered for my Lexus. Um, so he deliver, or the guy is a psycho and he marries this really rich chick. And then you see, like, the acting is really terrible. But it's actually a true story. So they're acting like these dumbass Orange County rich people. So it was really good. Um, music. Check out... J. Cole and Isaiah Rashad are coming out with new albums this Friday. If you don't know who they are, uh, I would suggest before Friday listening to J. Cole's 2014 Forest Hills Drive, one of my favorite CDs of all time, and Isaiah Rashad's Son's Tirade. Both of those are on Spotify. Both of them are free. Um, both of those albums are hugely influential on me becoming the man I am today, as much as music can be. Um, I listened to 2014 Forest Hills Drive. The year I started coming down to L.A. So on those long drives, I would borrow my mom's car before I was in the comedy store, before I was read by Levity, before I opened for anyone cool. And I would just spend hours listening to that album and driving to L.A. So to say I'm pretty excited about this new J. Cole is uh, an understatement. And Sun's Tirade. Sun's Tirade is really good, man, especially if you're, uh, you know... Isaiah Rashad, he's always depressed, singing about some shit that's uh, very relatable. So it's definitely not the one of like, it's kind of like a depressed gangster. So it's a really unique point of view. And it was one of my favorite albums of all time, too. I mean, every song's a banger. It was like, I think in a couple of years, it was that oxymoron from, um, oh man, why am I forgetting his name right now? Oxymoron, Blank Face, or his albums. Ah, fuck it. Just look up those. You'll find them. How have I been? Well, I've been pretty fucking great, guys. I'm not going to lie to you, man. Uh, my calendar is filling up. I was a little worried because um, during the pandemic, I wasn't really working in L.A. that much. Uh, I felt like I was kind of getting pushed to the side. I mean, I did get a tour with Burt Kreischer, and he was the biggest touring act last year, and that was the biggest fucking coolest thing I've ever done. But I wasn't getting any work in L.A., and that's picking up, man. Um Let's see, two weeks ago, I don't think I've talked to you guys since then because I did the double one. I was in San Francisco and Oakland. Um, I started comedy in Sacramento. Then I moved to Vacaville and started doing a lot of comedy in San Francisco. To be honest, I kind of feel I'm better um, received in San Francisco. Um, respect from comics and vibe from the audience. And I had the best fucking time. I was able to do my guy Mirage Shockey shows, Dope Comedy, check those out. Um, I was able to do, I was able to open for Christopher Titus. Um, if you don't know what he was, he was a guy kind of from the early 2000s. He had a show called Titus on Fox. Um, he's a blue collar guy from Northern California. So someone that I always looked up to, I mean, he was far poorer than I was, but 
not that I wasn't, not that I was Richard's cat. Get away from me. God damn. But hanging out with him was really cool. He's my girlfriend's favorite comic. When she grew up, she, one of the only things she had was four of his box sets. So watching her mind get blown and then hanging out with him was fucking sick, man. Cause I gotta be honest, guys, I've done this comedy thing for a while and, um, your idols always let you down. Not always, you know, Bert, Bobby, Theo are great. Bert and Bobby more than Theo. Not Theo's great too, but, um, you know, some guys just tend to fucking let you down, but Chris didn't do that. It was awesome to hang out with him. Awesome to talk shop. We did this show outdoors and seeing a guy who normally does theaters, do these outdoor shows and work his hour from the beginning. And it's cool to see him work his hour, man, because he's a lot more like Carlin, uh, uh, than what I do is in, I mean that in, um, kind of like Carlin and Berbiglia, he writes like a novel, like a, like a streaming thought novel. And he has to remember that word for word, kind of like Carlin, do you know, he Carlin on these big pieces. Um, just drank some water there. So watching a guy work that stuff out, you know, because the way I work out a joke, I just write like fish, tits, McGee. And I'm like, okay, I know these three things, but he has to go like line by line and get it. And so he works on that and his hour is going to be great. If you see him, check him out. I got to hang out with uh, my girlfriend, brought her up there. First time she ever went to San Francisco. We ran amok in the city. Got to hang out with my cousins. It was a truly... A blessing. And then last week, I was in Vegas. Uh, I was working Vegas, the Strip, for the first time. Laugh Factory at the Tropicana. Um, it's pretty cool. Uh, got open for my buddy Jesus Trejo. First time I got to see my name in lights on the Sunset Strip. I mean, it was his face, but if it's not going to be my face, I would love it to be one of my best buds. And comedy mentor, I really couldn't say that, but... Uh, comedy guide a guy that i really look up to and a great friend and a guy that works the business the perfect way if you want to see anything by jesus trejo you can have seen his sets on the tonight show multiple times james corden his showtime special stay at home son comedy central his tooth spots on comedy central so check him out i'll be with him mostly we're gonna be, we're coming to I'm go, I'll be at Punchline Sacramento this week from 5.13 to, or 5.12 to 5.13 or 5.13 to 5.15 this weekend. Punchline Sac with Brian Simpson. He's hilarious. He's another one of my best buds, man. We started as door guys at the comedy store together. And uh, to see him, you know, if you want to see him, check out his Comedy Central uh, spot out, Brian Simpson. He was on David Spade's Lights Out. Then 5.20 to 5.22, I'll be in Tempe, Arizona with my man, Jesus Trejo. 6.3 to 6.5, American Comedy Club with who? Say it with me, guys. Jesus Trejo. And then the coolest thing for me, well, not cooler. I love both those things. But um, if you follow me from Long Beach and my show with Trevor Hill in Long Beach, Bear City is coming back, baby. Free comedy, free pizza. Not free pizza anymore because covid but free comedy on 616 Bear City, Long Beach, California, Quesera. we got a sick lineup. Jesus Trejo is going to be on that one. Free show. If you know that show, you know it's a good time, man. It's an old-school lesbian punk rock bar, and uh, the lighting's great, and the vibe's great. And, um, you know, I love Long Beach. I really do. It kind of Long Beach reminds me of mixing uh, Oakland and Sacramento, the best things from both of those two places. And I hopefully that's not rude to Long Beach. Long Beach would be perfect if their water wasn't all filled with sharks and fucking oil tankers. 
But otherwise, I love the vibe there. So come out to that show. Um, oh, also, this is pretty big news. Um, I'm starting a show with my good buddy, Richard Cervate and Zach Chapeloni and Abhay Nankarni. The uh, Ab- Abai and Richard uh, run the show set up in San Francisco. So if you're in San Francisco, you probably know what that show is. It is one of the premier non-comedy club shows, I would say, in the country. So I'm starting a show up with those two guys and Zach. You know him from the last two episodes at a coffee shop in West Hollywood. That's going to be on 619. I probably won't be at there at that one because I will be in San Diego with Gareth Reynolds. So if you know him from The Dollop, pretty cool. One of my favorite podcasts. I get open for him. I'm trying to get him on this podcast, but this one's also a little close to The Dollop. So I kind of feel weird asking him to do, not a knockoff, because he does a lot more uh, PC stuff. Not PC, but, you know, clean stuff where I'm talking about drug dealers, warlords, and criminals. Baby. (sighs) So, guys, check out a show. The world's coming. Oh, did I talk about Vegas at all? Vegas was really cool. Um, the shows in Vegas are pretty short, man. I, I do about 15 to 20. Um, there's 10, 20 minutes. Um, middling. Jesus is doing 35. Um, 10 shows, four days. The three shows on a Saturday, man. Uh, that last one will get you. That last one will get you. We had a rough one. A rough one where everyone's blackout drunk. It, honestly, man, it seemed like a lot of cocaine energy. And here's a suggestion, guys. I'm not mad if you do cocaine. I like cocaine sometimes. Maybe once a month, once every other month. But don't do it when you go to a comedy show. That's not a cocaine vibe. Smoke a little weed, drink some beer, and chill out, man. Because I get it. You want to talk. You want to have a good time. But cocaine is not the one to sit down and listen to other people speak. So don't do it. Or you're going to get kicked out and then you wasted pretty expensive tickets, man. But uh, the checks were good in Vegas, too, man. One thing, though. Wow. So it used to be you would do it from Monday to Sunday, two shows every day, three on Friday and Saturday. And I got to say, that would have made me want to kill myself because um, the venue was great. But, you know, man, you get burnt out, dude. On the 10th show on the Sunday, I was kind of burnt out, man. Just, uh, you know, eating steak and mashed potatoes 10 times in four days is going to be like, maybe I'm going to have a salad. So luckily I won't. I got a couple days break, man. I mean, I'm already getting the itch. It's been one day. But uh, probably if you get this, this will go out today. I'll probably be at the Comedy Store um, this Tuesday, whatever the fucking date is today, the 11th or the 12th. So if you want to come out to one of those, though they're probably sold out, uh, you're going to have to buy tickets way in advance. And if you want to see me there, you're going to have to buy tickets probably, I can't even tell you what room, OR in the, or the uh, original room. Middle, no, the OR or the main room. And um, buy them now. For a couple weeks in advance. I'm going to be gone every weekend. But uh, Monday and Tuesday. I mean Tuesdays and Wednesdays. I will probably be there one of those days. The world's coming back. I couldn't be happier. Thank you guys for supporting the podcast. We're going to keep going. Soon we're going to be moving into the Comedy Store basement. And I'm going to be getting you know, more famous guests. I mean these guys are pretty good. These guys are up to 20k followers on Instagram to 100k. But you know I don't want to get like. Bert Kreischer or someone famous. Into my tiny studio studio apartment. So that's the episode, guys. You guys are going to love it. Bamboo Union, Jason Chenny. Check out, uh, follow him. Check out his podcast, Recess Time. I love you guys. See you soon. Come out to his show. Tell me you like the podcast. I'll be in Sacramento this week. Come out and say hi. Peace, guys. Bye.
Jason Chandy, good to see you, buddy. Thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having me, baby. You look great. You look great, man. One of my best buds. Happy to see you again. Just got back from two weeks in Vegas. Way too long. Way too long. Three days is too long. You know, five days is a sentence, and I'm there for two weeks. All my money's gone. I had some, you know, money, but now it's all gone, but that's okay. Yeah, I mean, it definitely... I'm a three-day guy there. I'm a three-day guy there. Two nights, you know, get in, get out. Get out early, too. If anyone's going to go to Vegas, make sure your flight home the next day is almost as early as possible. Yeah, I always try to uh, leave very early in the morning so I could just sleep on the plane and then just get home as early as possible. But it was expensive. It was like 100, you know, like over 100 bucks on on Southwest. Mm -hmm. I was like, I'm just going to go a little later, 75 bucks. But I've lost way more than that, you know on on roulette so <laughs> yeah i was looking at flights today because i'm going to vegas in the fifth nice. and fucking one week i'm just one week off for getting to like the 50 70 flights yeah sometimes they have like conventions so mm. then they would just jack up the prices but yeah. um but also covid is oh you know what you know what so i i um i got to perform at the stratosphere yeah. And then also the... the so you MPM. do a week at the Strat? Yeah, I did a week at the okay. Strat at LA Comedy Club. And uh, um, they... So because of the prices are cheaper because of COVID, they um, there's like a lot of crazy... Like somebody got stabbed in, in the lobby. Of the Strat? I can of see the that. Uh, yeah, the of the Strat. Sure. But it's like a lot more rowdy, I think, because of... Discount? How cheap, yeah, because of the discount. Mm -hmm. And then same thing with um, the, the MGM. It's, it's like, it's really rowdy. Yeah, I mean, that would make sense. And plus the people that are more welcome to who don't give a fuck, you know, tend yeah. to be the rowdier people. Like oh, there's not sure. like a lot of like doctors and stuff going for half off COVID deals. Yeah. It's so normally yeah. like the guy in a jersey <laughs> looking to fight another man in a jersey. Exactly. And bet on sports. Yeah, yeah I'm not really looking forward to it. I mean, I. My it's getting better, though. It's getting better. On the weekends is like a lot more chill. Just because it's more expensive, you know, Friday, Saturday, Sundays. Oh yeah. But on the weekdays is like, you know, crazy. Psychos. What when when are you going? I'm like going the fifth to the or the twelfth. Is that a when are you doing what are you are you doing? I'm doing Laugh Factory? Laugh Factory for the nice. show featuring. Oh, that's the whole week. Yeah. Oh, okay. But no, they didn't start it. I think we would have done that, but yeah. it's just they're only doing Wednesday to Sunday. Oh, okay. So I, I hung out there. The crowd was great. It's packed every every show. Yeah. You guys are gonna have a great time. I was yeah. Brad Garrett's I heard was fucking tight though. Yeah, it's packed too there. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, w they moved it into a ballroom and the capacity is 173 people, and it's just this big yeah ballroom. But they used to have it in the club, but um, but they say they're gonna go back to the normal club know, club seating in like in like two three weeks. Everybody, but it's so packed. Like on the weekend, it's like normal Vegas. Everybody with a mask. You work, I, you work every club there, don't you? I, I don't work the factory. I don't. Work you don't the work the factory. factory. Yeah, but you're at the cellar. Yeah, I'm in the cellar. And Garrett's. Garrett's and then L.A. Comedy Club. And L.A. Comedy but Club. Those there, the there's that Wise Guys that's opening up in downtown. A Wise Guys? Yeah, is? Wise Guys opening up, yeah. Wow. In downtown, and they have, uh, there's like three murals um, on in front of the thing. It was, uh, it's uh, Richard Pryor and Joan Rivers uh -huh. and uh, Pauly Shore. Yeah, it's dope. It's, it's, it's a weird. Two thing. of them make sense. One of them doesn't, but I'm not, I'm going to leave that to find out who uh, yeah. thinks that there. Yeah. So downtown, is that like for Las Vegas locals or this is like on the strip? Downtown no, the strip. this is like down. It's it's not even really on the strip. It's like next to the strip. Wow. Interesting. Even, yeah, it's in like a l weird neighborhood, but I think they're going to gentrify it yeah. because of the, there's a lot of like uh, paintings 
they they have this like district it's like the art districts there the yeah the art district yeah so but the art there it looks really cool though you know what, man that's kind of though always like if i'm gonna start a business i never understand in you know la or really anywhere he goes Definitely in L.A., you'll see a Chinese place next to a Chinese place, and then you'll see a Mexican place next to a Mexican place. Yeah. It's like if I'm going to put my whole life savings, I wouldn't try to open. I mean, all these comedy clubs are doing well in Vegas, but I would go to, like, Boise. Right. You know, somewhere where they don't, don't have don't it have so it? I could yeah. be the guy rather yeah. than trying to get a piece of a very large pie. That's true. But there aren't really comedy clubs in the downtown area. Yeah, so this is for locals kind yeah, of Yeah, for right? locals. I, I, I that think, might be a yeah, good idea, yeah. then. yeah. Because I do know the locals hate the strip and they don't want to go there at all. So then, if yes. they want to watch a comedy, and it's a pretty big city, right? Keeps yes. going. Yeah, <sighs> that'd be so weird to grow up there. People say it's weird to grow up in L.A. Imagine growing up in Vegas. I know that'd be kind of fun. Well, okay. So here's the episode today. Today you're here about the biggest gang in Taiwan, the United Bamboo Gang, aka the Bamboo Union. Currently, they have about ten thousand ma- active members across the globe and are considered one of the most dangerous gangs in the world. At their height in the 70s and 80s, you'll learn how they had nearly 100,000 members and were personal assassins for the Taiwanese government. Make sure you listen to the entire pod to find out the fucked up ways they punish their own members for breaking rules. Bro, you're so professional. Oh, it's, wow. It's I don't make me nervous. I'm just, <laughs> it's how you start the thing. I'm like, this is a, this is a thing. That's a very professional. You have the tone down. Well, I'm trying to see. Okay, see, what I'm going to try and do now with this opening synopsis thing we've been doing, we're still messing with the format, trying to get it in. Yeah. I'm going to try and get that synopsis, cut that, put that on TikTok. Oh, gotcha. You gotcha. Yeah, yeah. So that, that's, that's now going to be the ad. So yeah. I'll have the ad and the clips. Yeah. But also that the thing I'm most ex- excited about, yes. excited about is that we have and this is not why I chose you. You're one of my best friends. But I think this is why I chose you for this episode. Yeah. You are actually Taiwanese. Yes. And you were from Taiwan. Yes. And you know, people that may be associated with this. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. There's like different clubs within the it. I'm Zulianbang is what how they say it in the thing. Is that the hostess clubs? No, no. Well, that too. They own a lot of oh, the hostess clubs. We're yeah, talking about those later too. <laughs> we talked about it. Before. Yeah, I remember the hostess talking about clubs it. and now the construction business because they want it to be legit. Yeah, you know they, they want to own legit businesses and uh, they yeah. So all all of that. All oh, it's gonna come. We're gonna come, and yeah. I'm just so stoked to actually. Normally, I'm talking to someone and it's like reading them fucking the Bible the first time. They're like, "This guy <laughs> killed his son because God said it." But it's like you you're familiar with all this stuff yeah. and you know it, so it's gonna be extremely. Fun. Now I'm rereading over this. You know, I do uh, my thing and redo it. It does seem like the article does lean against Taiwanese people, mm-hmm. but you know, obviously I, I'm I'm a fan of Taiwanese people. But this this article does read a little bit weird. Well, not article. My research team did this one. You you think is because the what well, the Chi- if it's like from a Chinese source, it might be from a Chinese yeah, source. Then, then of course they're like yeah. you know yeah. I think it's from a Chinese source, and I just would... Because, you know, a lot of the times when we do these deep dives into gangs and organizations in other countries, it's hard to find things that I can we can even read. Yeah. You know, because there's a lot of articles on these Siberian biker gangs, but they're in fucking Siberian, wherever the fuck they speak. Yeah. So not many times has been, has been like... Uh, 
narrated dude i think i'm gonna learn more about my own place today than i've ever have and i'm excited yeah it's gonna be good so we'll just pop into it so what happened so when this started uh was when china moved over to communism the chinese nationalists the old guard those before communists doing the still that weird shit fled to taiwan to escape persecution and punishment by the new regime along with these nationalists many gangs fled as well to be to begin to form a new triad in taiwan so the so Chiang Kai-shek, the founding father of Taiwan, mm-hmm. when he he was in the military, and th- there's a civil war in China, and then that's how where they know, leave. Yeah, that's yeah. why they left. But like you said, the the gangs helped him do yes. it, and that what that's not even in the news. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but they definitely ahead. have that. No, no, this is exactly one. But you'll see a lot of time. I mean, a lot of times in these Asian countries, these triads and different gangs do mm. seem to help. But especially Taiwan really used what we're going to learn later. Uh, these gangs almost as a military. Yeah. We'll see that. So the gang consisted of Chinese immigrant children who were looking to group together and protect themselves from the native Taiwanese kids. The first decade they operated the Bamboo Union, mainly engaged in street fighting in order to demonstrate their toughness and establish themselves as an aggressive force in Taiwan. Their name originated from the street most of the Chinese immigrant children live on at the time of the gang's formation, Bamboo Forest Road in Jung ho city you are familiar with jung ho city that's where i grew up okay that's where i lived and it's not a big city it's Uh it's like a small i mean taiwan is a small country what's the biggest city in taiwan i can i'm always like south korea is like oh fucking i forgot well taipei is the taipei is the big one i don't know if it's the biggest one because i'm you know i'm dumb i don't know but that's the most that's the capital yeah and uh yeah, so it's like the, the New York or something. Yeah, it's like the New know. York, yeah. yeah, Los Angeles of, of of Taiwan. But that's exactly where I grew up, and it didn't it, it didn't feel that way at all. Like growing up, um, I know it was. I didn't even know it was like a suburb or whatever until, like, um, like I came to the states and went mm-hmm. back and and saw like, but um, or like going into the city. But where I grew up is is not. I would walk on the street and. So now when these now I'm saying these because they're doing the 70s and the 80s when this game really. So you were yeah. born. I guess not. We're more 90s kids. Now one, have you yeah. ever heard of Bamboo Forest Road? Uh, so if you translate that, probably. Oh. Yeah. Be- oh, because yeah, you're right. Yeah. So it's it's in Mandarin, but um, probably yeah because it's not a big it's not city. a big city. Yeah. Now another thing too, because you know when you walk around, can walk around Rushford neighborhoods in L.A. or definitely in California, uh-huh. you'll see what could be described as gang members. Yeah. Now when you walked around Jung Ho City or you go back, do you can you do are there like roaming gangs? Right now, I I wouldn't I wouldn't say so. Or maybe like in the places that I don't go. Uh-huh. But growing up and even now, if you go back, it's just. It's like the suburbs. It's pretty nice. Like the whole Taiwan is pretty nice, right? Yeah. I mean, there's like tall buildings, but it's like not as city-like as um, like if you go downtown New York. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not as. So here's the thing I always find funny is when uh, I feel like these guys, the Bamboo Union, uh, did pretty good because they got a good name for street name to grow up on. Like yeah. imagine. <laughs> I feel like if you're starting a new ga- gang and your street name is like, you know. Cotton Candy Street. You don't want to be like the Cotton Candy Boys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Or like if you're in Bo- if you're in Burbank, you're like, yeah, we're the Bob Hope Boys. <laughs> Jason, what was the street that you grew up on? Where was what was your gang? What have you been in your gang name? Uh, what would be my gang name? It could be the Taiwanese one too. Um, I forgot what what was it. Oh, <laughs> I just remembered that the worst gang ever. It's peaceful. It's it's like the the 
the direct translation of the road that I grew up on is like it's uh it means peaceful and like uh just peaceful peaceful, just peaceful. road the peaceful gang <laughs> very very intimidating you don't want to mess for those peaceful guys they'll <laughs> probably just chill maybe uh give you some good words of wisdom chill so hard they're gonna chill so fucking hard in your ass you don't even know what's happening it's just gonna be lotus flowers everywhere yeah yeah in the 1960s they moved on to more traditional gang behaviors and began extorting businesses for protection money but they have the funny thing about this gang is other than like you know the mafia or something uh-huh. uh these guys have a very customer service oriented approach that they keep to this day essentially anyone who pays for their protection is guaranteed to have a gang member show up at their business and help within five minutes of making a phone call wow I didn't even know that. I know. I mean, I mean, do I know it for sure? That's no, amazing. but these are what the couple of articles said. That that I don't want to say that's so Asian, but that's so Asian. It is such an Asian. I didn't want to say that's it. I'm so happy to use it. It is. They come <laughs> with. It's like oh, a steam towel too. I didn't. I just. I needed someone to get kicked out of here. Steam towel. The gamin would just come with steam towels and like lunch. Yeah, like, exactly. Lunch. That's what my thing too is like. You give him a co- massage. Yeah, a massage. Is this like? <laughs> it's like is this only for gang related problems or if you just like need someone to talk to? It's not even gangs no, anymore. It's just a guy. It's just that'll a service. Be there. Yeah, it's Uber. They're actually just Uber. I don't know if we know that Bamboo Union <laughs> turned into the Uber boys. They're so legit now. They're not even fighting. Mm-hmm. You just come home. They're fluffing your pillows. You're like, God, this is the best protection fee I've ever had <laughs> in my life from the Bamboo Hut boys. They clean your bed. They clean your, your boys. They yeah. clean your. Is he washing my son. <laughs> gently washing your child. They stock your stores. They stock your store. <laughs> Do I have like, beef? The There's fuck? so much beef in here now. God damn bamboo union <laughs> filled me with beef again. <laughs> On the other hand, Kill me. anyone who fails to pay for protection fees in a timely manner is also subject to have their store vandalized and their storefront bashed in with baseball bats. Bro, but how fair is that? Is that if you don't give the money, we're going we're gonna to mess up your things? I mean, that's kind of how I think, you know, I enjoy, you know. I think anything. I'm more of, instead of someone who's like kind of in the middle of everything, yeah. I like either being very sweet and very nice, yeah. and then when you fuck that up, I can be a real son of a bitch. I 100% agree with you. And I feel like that's the way, essentially, I'd like to raise my kid, and I'd like to do it all. It's like, don't mess up. You know, I'm going to be very nice, give you a lot of Yeah. But hell hath no fury when it happens, dude. Yes. And that's a great way to go. Also, though, imagine you just forgot to pay one month. And you're like, hey, hey, Bamboo Union, what's going on? Steve down here at Steve's Butt Pugs Emporium. Yeah, that's Steve. Uh, can someone come down? Uh, someone bash up my store. You think you could be here in five? Oh, yeah. I didn't pay? I could have sworn to, could have sworn I paid. I, w- I always wondered, too, how do you pay? Is it cash? Does someone come pick it up? I would think cash because back then, you know. You can't Venmo yeah, them. Yeah, yeah, there's no Venmo yet. You Venmo, it's a piece of, it's just like a baseball bat and like the water gun. <laughs> you send it to the Bamboo Union. Yeah. So they also start and they begin operating gambling dens around the area as well. They started small and then moved on to hosting high stakes games where bettors were waging hundreds of thousands of U.S. dollars on a single hand. Jason, two questions. This is going to sound dumb. Do people have U.S. dollars a decent amount in Taiwan? Yeah, of course. Now, what does that mean? See, I'm not a other worldly traveler. You, you've, you're a worldly travel traveler. You, for your old job, you would go back there and do all that. So now. Is there multiple types of currencies going around Chi- uh, Taiwan since they're close to China? They have their own and probably American. Like everywhere, though. Um, 
But like like everywhere, but U.S. is the international currency. So, um, oh, you're pretty and also good anywhere you go, huh? Yeah, you're pretty good anywhere you go with with uh, U.S. dollars. But but like anywhere, it's just like Taiwan is just like the U.S. or any other country that we have all the currencies too. Like there's yeah. Now there's if I'm if I'm at um you know getting some fucking fire Taiwanese kind of rap thing that you guys do with like it's like a sort of like a hoisin sauce and like it's crepe it's one of the best things I've had um I really fuck with Taiwanese food it feels lighter than Chinese food but then I'm just kind of getting you know Americanized Chinese food yeah um so I go to a Taiwanese restaurant can I throw down US dollars to pay for it can I throw down Chinese dollars to pay for it or do I use Taiwanese I think it's just mostly Taiwanese, Taiwanese dollars. yeah yeah. Now, so these guys are sm- operating small gambling dens, kind of that thing. Have you ever seen any of those in Taiwan? No, I've no. never seen no, it. Yeah. yeah, but I always heard about it. Yeah, I, so it is a thing that people talk about. Yeah, but I'm like, I want to go. Yeah, that sounds pretty fucking but cool. But my parents is like, no, don't go. Probably a good idea. <laughs> Probably a good idea. Yeah. They're like, well, if you go and you pay on time, he will show up in five minutes with a warm croissant. But if you <laughs> don't, they'll yeah. smash your face in. Yeah. So they also start beginning in about the 60s and 70s in loan sharking as well as they continue to grow their gang. Mm. Soon they become the th- largest triad in Taiwan. Over the years, many of the members of the Bamboo Union joined the military for the Chinese Nationalist Party and received military training. Wow, I didn't even know that. This helped grow the Bamboo U- Union's ties to the Taiwanese government and gave the gang members an edge. During the 60s, the son of the Taiwanese president formed a friendship with one of the founders and leaders of the Bamboo Union for several decades, Shen Shi Li. Ever heard of any of those guys? No, I have not. And I think I was too young to, to know these. That's true. These guys. But I feel like in America, so also what we're going to learn about these guys yeah. is these guys don't like to be talked about at all. I know. I don't think so. You know, when people get arrested in Taiwan, they blur their eyes and they they have a like they cover their faces. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, and sometimes they'll wear like a helmet, so when people get arrested, they they um don't want to show their face. Oh, that's interesting. Here, I think you literally can buy a magazine of the people yeah. that were arrested <laughs> last month. It's like in yeah. liquor stores next to the yeah. titty things. Yeah. So yeah, but they don't really um in school they don't really tell you about the gangs. It's just. They tell you about, you know, the peop- good people. Oh, interesting. What about TV? Because P- I feel like every fucking TV show in America, especially in the 70s, 80s, and 90s, was about the mafia or something. Are there, like, triad K-pop type not that, soap operas? Not that I remember. It's always... I remember a lot of shows is about the military because, you know, fled over, and yeah. I don't know. And and, and it, anything can happen at any time. Yeah. China right there. Yeah. So And, and I think most guys... It's because it's mandatory to be in the military as a guy, and I didn't oh, go because um, you draft dodged from America. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like a true American. Yeah, no, but uh, but yeah. So but but there. So there's a lot of like military TV shows, and they're yeah, they're really funny. But um, not that I remember. There's like gangs and stuff. Like gang. I would love to watch it though. I know me too. Something yeah. real. Like a, I would love to watch like a. An American doing an all Asian kind of triad movie, but just in English. That'll be really cool. Now this is it. So this is actually an interesting point that I, I see a lot of these times is um, in what the researchers do is that once these gang members start being trained by the military, mm-hmm. it changes their whole shit. Just like Osil Guillen in the cartels in Mexico, mm-hmm. he started hiring ex-military that yeah. were trained by Americans, paying them way more money, and then he just took over everything. Because it seems to be the perfect way to have a gang. Because one, your guys are now trained 
to in combat, you know. Mm. They can attack someone, work together. Uh, they can not brainwash, but there is a structure of hierarchy that they respect quite a bit, you know what I mean? Mm. And you don't have to pay for the training. Yeah, and you establish rules exactly around the gang. Yep. Like, this is what it is. If this yeah. is a sergeant, you're not going to fuck with him or get loud or anything. Yeah. So if I'm starting a gang, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I like this idea. I'm going to start sending guys to, to do things to help out my gang. Not always military. You know, like maybe one guy goes, a, goes to the home act class at the local community college. Yeah. And he's the guy who's like, you know, cooking, cleaning, and sewing patches on our leather vests. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'm going to have a cryptocurrency guy. You know, he's just taking a bunch of online classes, ITT Tech. And then lastly, an open membership to a boxing gym or like a gun range. This is a really pro- progressive gang. Yeah, we're you know we're we're not we're trying to leave the tropes of the past behind. We're non-binary. Um, <laughs> we actually prefer you to cut off your genitals before you join the gang. And everyone has the same haircut. Some would say it's a cult. Someone say it's a gang. Either way, you will be giving us fifty percent of your income monthly, and we will be training you. Uh, Jason, you're starting a gang. Yes. Where are you going to send some of your members? Um, well, first of all. I like candy, so I'm going to send them oh, to wow. uh, open a candy shop. Oh, I love that. You know, flip candy. Because candy, people buy with cash, so you're going to be able to lie and say they're making more money so you can start laundering your money. So great, Exactly, great and right you there. get the kids while they're young. Yep. Oh, wow. Yeah, this is yeah, next yeah. level. Next level stuff. Next level stuff. And then on the candy, it will, it will the logo would be like my gang name. Yeah. It will be like Bubble Peace Co- Boys. The Peace Boys. The Peeps. Remember what was that? What was that you tiny? The Peace Boys. The <laughs> Peace Boys Bubblegum. I'm going to kill you. <laughs> yeah. But probably not. Um, yeah. Get them while they're young. I like that one. That's a great one. Get that. Some, some sort of like taffy guy. He's got like an eye patch, but then like a funny little hat, and he just makes taffy and gets kids on their team. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Peace Boys laundering money in taffy shops. Great. Great so far. Shen Shi Li, am I saying that right? Honestly, I don't know. I don't know because you know when it's already been translated. translated. Yeah. Okay. Joined the Bamboo Union in 1955 at the age of 12. He quickly rose through the ranks and ascended to the leadership position in 1968 at the age of 25. Wow, age of 12. Joined at the age of 12. You know, and what's funny, and this is the jokes I wrote for it, is like, how are they pitching to 12 year olds? And apparently, Jason forethought this and knew. <laughs> That it was Taffy with his gang member on it. <laughs> it's a great idea, man. You're, you're thinking you, we should start something. We should start one. We should start a gang. Quit the podcast, start a gang. He was known as King Duck, and he was the leader, and as Dry Duck before, then do the fact that he did not know how to swim. So what I was about to say, that didn't tr- come out well because I didn't read the sentence well. So once he becomes the leader of this group, he's known as King Duck, and before that he was known as Dry Duck before because he didn't know how to swim. Pretty cool. So he was dry first. He was dry, and then became king. And and then became king. Mm-hmm. Is he wet now? He's wet. I, you know what this thing? It's always like, why are people always giving nicknames of like people's most insecure things? <laughs> you know, that's true. It's never like, like hey, he, don't fuck with this guy. Steve will help you move fury. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh wait, you were about to say something. I just keep coming. Um, out. I forgot. I forgot. It was uh, yeah. I don't know why they say dry duck. That's not intimidating at all. Is dry duck? What would dry duck sound like in Mandarin or Taiwanese, whatever? It is? Um, kanya. Yeah, it doesn't sound. Kanya. Yeah, kanya. Yeah, it even seems like you're saying something mean to someone. Kanya. 
Like well, doesn't come out nice. Gan is uh, fuck in in Mandarin. Oh, but gan is dry. It's well, really tonal, tonal language. That's wild. That duck and fuck rhyme in Taiwanese just like they do in English. Well, no, yeah, yeah is duck. Yeah is duck. Yeah, and then uh, gan is dry. Oh, gan yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Gan yeah, fuck duck. Fuck duck. Um, okay. Yeah, it's like just give people better nicknames, but I guess that's the fun thing, right? Making people feel bad over and over and over again, slightly. Yeah. <laughs> Look at this dry duck. Look <laughs> at this fucking dry duck. Well, but he's so a king mad. duck now. Yeah, but now he's king duck. King duck. So it's like people's got to respect it. It's like the ugly duckling of gangs. Yeah, but if you're the king, you got to respect the ugly duckling regardless. Yeah. I bet you he now is like, no one can swim. How about that? No one is <laughs> no allowed. Because I can't swim. Because I can't swim. But yeah. if the peace, if those peace bubblegum boys come <laughs> via water route, we are done. So Shen, the dry duck king, king duck, king dry duck, is largely responsible for unifying the very small factions of the bamboo union into a well-oiled or organization that it is today. In 1970, he was sent to jail for aggravated assault and spent six years behind bars. Upon his release, he said he was going to go straight and begin opening up several businesses. This is what we talked about earlier. During this time, he helped the Bamboo Union amass a membership of over 100,000 people. He had a construction business, an electronics business, and began getting involved with politics. This only expanded the reach of the Bamboo Union because now they had hands in construction rackets and smuggling all over Taiwan and the South Pacific. You know what? When you when you were reading this, right, I was thinking, because I don't know if they murdered people. Probably. Oh, they have. We're going to go through some people. Oh, okay, cool, cool, cool. Because it just seems like, you know, he's a bad guy, but, you know, you didn't say what he did, and, and now he's going to legit business, and it makes me feel like this, you know, this dry duck king is very... I want him to murder some people, so then I could be like, yeah, <laughs> we bad. Yeah, yeah. But We're not just nice making taffy yeah, and, getting yeah. the, and just go Cause, straight. Because all your episodes are like, yeah, they do murder, you know what I mean? Yeah. Went to jail, and then this guy is just... Going straight to business. It's not even a gang now. <laughs> so what we're going to see after... Yeah, I know, exactly. The way we're painting him is he's just kind of a guy who he's turned his life guy. around. And then yeah. he got out of jail and then made all of his friends who were in a gang start working in construction. Yeah, and being nice to business owners and yeah, stuff. Being nice. like, what's going on, dude? Like, get to the juice, man. <laughs> These viewers are being like, Stephen, what the fuck? What, what, why'd you... This yeah, is a this, garbage episode. Yeah, this is just about some business this is a good man. guy. This is a cool yeah, guy. what the hell? It's like the Milkman podcast. Give me something yeah. bad about the dry duck. The problem is, uh-huh. and with the last three um, kind of uh, articles about these guys, uh-huh. is they kill reporters and people that talk about them. Exactly. Yeah, that's why you don't know anything, and that's why this one is actually super hard to do because, okay. and it's actually might be a little short, but we've been we've been uh, dancing around, so it's gonna be great. Okay. But I was worried because we normally do about eight to ten pages. This one was about seven. Yeah. Because they killed a lot of the people that talked about them. So then a lot of people, especially in Taiwan, where these guys have their fingers into a lot of uh, normal things. That's that's what it is, man. They probably because this is the thing about Asians uh, is just we have to present our best selves and whoever exposes murder. dude. <laughs> that's what it is. We have to look great. Did you just put my fucking dirty laundry in the, On the outside? You will die now. Yes, man. That's that's the worst thing that you could do to an Asian person. Tell their secrets. Tell their secrets. And, you know would look at them as you know a, a bad person we can never be bad got a lot of catholic guilt in there yeah it's interesting all of it yeah you guys a lot of shame i feel like all, all i feel like a, like chinese and, and japanese and taiwanese are shame and then catholics are guilt 
Publishers not the same thing, but they're very close. So like you said, we were talking over earlier. Mm. You know people that are in these nice businesses of that they do, like yeah. the construction stuff. So um, so my aunt's brother mm-hmm. is like I I don't know if I should be, but but the, he's uh he's involved mm-hmm. and um. My uncle, they literally gave my aunt and uncle like a, like a, a shop in within the construction site. They give them a shop so that every t- every day the construction people will have to go to that shop to oh, like eat and stuff. Funny, and they make so much money just off of that. But the constr- the whole thing is 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 theirs. Yeah. So these guys not only are they turning around their lives, turning into great people, they're excellent businessmen. Because if you come around to L.A. Uh, you'll notice you'll have a taco truck pull up to a construction site. Yeah. But instead of that, it's your fucking the the fucking Bamboo Unions pulling up their taco truck to the Bamboo Unions construction <laughs> exactly. place that they're getting the Bamboo Unions concrete. Yeah. They're getting the Bamboo Unions. So it's like yes. the whole thing. It's mon- uh, they monopolize. Not, yeah. Monopolize everything. Yeah, everything. Yes. So this is the thing that I find interesting so much, you know, because if uh, as I look this up and I find it interesting, it's like. And that's how human beings were all the same. And it might just be because they're all just trying to go straight. But the Bamboo Union has so much exactly like the mafia. You know, they like go they go through the they start out as a small street gang for immigrants coming over. Mm-hmm. They go into, you know, street fighting, kind of small stuff like that. Then they get into construction businesses. Then they get into politics. And then they more just put their vines into the society and and less than letting them you know be cast out whereas like some smaller i don't know it's just interesting that i don't think these guys had a connection with the mafia but they played the game almost the same with the yeah i think everywhere around the world um i don't know i don't know if they uh they called up the italian mob and go hey how do you guys doing it <laughs> you send over a guy in training yeah salio over hey, here i don't know but we probably no but the chinese started it though because yeah, we yeah. have a longer history, so don't take that. You know, I just I was just getting. Yeah, that's once again I'm the Chinese prideful. people are fucking over Taiwanese. It's their gang. Yeah, this is yeah. the Chinese gang. Um, yeah. Yeah, but it's always like oh, that's funny. It's always like the same stuff. You know, it's always like you they get into co- construction, right. politics, businesses like that. It's never like hey, you ever hear about the Serbian mob? They do human trafficking, drug dealing, and uh, house cleaning. <laughs> they will also clean your house. That's how they do their stuff. I just think they don't want to follow the rules. And at the end of the day, they just want to go legit, but they just don't want to, like, do all the jump through, like, 75 hoops. And I think that's way – that's how I would like to do it. I don't want to do the, the stuff. I don't want to go and, you know. But And I think so, too. You know, you, you, I feel like when you start doing crime, it's it comes out as a sense of being a little bit lazy. You know, you don't you don't want to go to work all day, every exactly. day. And then the beginning, crime is fun. You know, you're kind of – stealing once a week you're doing this you're not doing you drugs bad. yeah you're not well, for, you know let's just say you're not feeling bad yeah that's not feeling bad yeah you're not feeling bad okay, there's no, no empathy yeah, we would no. feel bad that's why that's the main reason we don't do it yeah but, i mean some crimes i could do it i wouldn't feel bad i could rob target and i would never care <laughs> i wouldn't lose a minute of sleep um but you know you're doing it over and over again but then the crime starts becoming a full-time job yeah you're trying to hide stuff from people, trying to hide from businesses. And then you're getting, like, people are getting greedy. People. Like, when they go, now the government's like, hey, man, these dirty cops is getting. Now I'm just narrating every single crime. No, crime, that's crime exactly reason. what it is. Yeah. 
I mean, you people lo- get greedy. Everybody people- gets greedy. But when you're legit and there's rules now with the government, then it's harder for people to come and be like, "Hey, man, like, what?" Are-? You're like, "Well, I'm legit." Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You got a thing there going on, and it's and it covers your ass too. I mean, the ba- way to go legit is the best. It's just a lot harder, mm-hmm. and I feel like you know, kind of seems like these Asian gangs and somewhat of the mafia aim quicker to go legit whereas like the cartels are like we could either go legit or just not not and we'll just buy everybody or murder them right which is the easiest but also the most psycho because like i was saying it's like you get a normal job right you got to work nine to five yes that fucking blows and that's a human nightmare for everybody here uh you know we've all worked nine to five jobs and makes you want to kill yourself or you could be a criminal for a little while but then once that starts building you know now your buddy's trying to steal your job your friends are trying to kill you to take what's yours. It just doesn't. It's too stressful. It's, too, it's just so much fucking stress. Yes. Fuck that. In the late 1970s, Taiwanese government began giving orders to Shen Shi Li to send gang members abroad to threaten and kill any Taiwanese dissidents that were talking shit about the Taiwanese government. It is known that Shen Shi Li was responsible for orchestrating at least three successful. There you go, buddy. High five. You're out here. Taiwanese people out here killing people. Don't yeah, act like man. they weren't. Yeah. Three successful assassinations of three po- political related opponents starting in 1980. The coolest thing about actually this Taiwanese government is, or this Taiwanese gang is, is how legit they went and they put their tentacles. Yeah. They start being able to fucking tell the Americans to just shut the fuck up with this gang. It's pretty Ooh. interesting what we're going to see. Agreeing to carrying out these assassinations gave the Bamboo Union exclusive rights to the heroin trade in Taiwan and the control over the heroin distribution in the Taiwanese part of the Golden Triangle. Shen Shi Li had so much power and influence, he even started a magazine focusing on the gangs of the South Pacific in 1983. Holy shit, I didn't even know that. I would love to get that magazine still to this day. That'd be so fun. Yeah. It could still be called Tiger Beat, you know, Asian. And then I could just picture, you know, just warlords and child soldiers with like, some of the taffy you made and kind of the funny tiger, <laughs> like the kind of the funny tiger bee pictures they took of you know kids back in the day. Just like, do you know what tiger bee magazine is? No, I do not. It was kind of like kid pornography for little girls and little boys back in like the what 60s, 70s, and 80s and 90s. It was a magazine for kids and it was like all the coolest kids that were that day. So you'd have like you know Leonardo DiCaprio at 12, yeah, with no shirt on on a beach and little girls would put it up on their walls and stuff like that. Yeah. So I picture but not that. With the gangs. But I picture that. Yeah, I mean, this gangs. You know, it's just a guy riding a horse into like a poppy <laughs> field. Like, who was this magazine for? Okay, here we go. Here, this is a couple stuff. Have you ever? You've been in the Golden Triangle, right? What do you mean? The Golden Triangle is in a Taiwanese, Laos, and Myanmar. It's kind of a. I honestly don't even know what the Golden Triangle Triangle is. I, I believe. I mean, good God, I said it over here, over and over again. Um, it's a part of Asia that all the heroin and stuff comes from and all the jungle and stuff, and it's mm. like they don't mess around with it. Because you used to go into some weird factories and some weird little areas, right, in the jungle. Yeah, Vietnam, Thailand. And, yeah. Uh, I think that's the gold Thailand. triangle. Oh, okay. That would make sense. Ever seen a poppy field? Uh, one of those places? I don't, no, I have not. No? Yeah. Are they scary in the jungle over there? Is it scary? The jungle? You've been in the jungle. We've talked about this. I'm not just, like, saying... Oh, the oh, um, like the Asian jungle by yeah, Myanmar, Laos, and Vietnam, right, right, right. And Taiwan. But it's not. I didn't go into the jungle where there's like in the movies where they have to have a machete and then going through this thing. It's like the roads are paved. Oh, they're paved. They're still not a dirt road jungle. It's a paved road. I mean, some, but then it, they will have like a a factory. You know, it, it's like 
people's be- I'm not I was never the first one to pave the road and build a factory. <laughs> like we're gonna make a t shirt factory here. <laughs> yeah. No. So they already did all that and then, and then I'll go see it. Okay, well when you go into the jungles, uh-huh. do you see like you're like, hey, those are the kind of the warlords that run this area? Bro, I wasn't even observant enough then to, to be like, Oh, look at these guys. I just go, Oh, the factory and these people are probably just nice, normal factory people. I mean they can't be nice because Dude, they're, they're exploiting the people under them. And for factory. sure, yeah. for sure. They're, all their chairs are like plastic chairs. They're not even, they're, they're folded chairs. Because, uh, like no I, ergonomic chairs for anybody there. <laughs> or lower lumbar support. Yeah, look, there's no lumbar support in the Golden Triangle. There's no massage chairs. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, over there, it's just because. After a while, they had rules, you know, they, they didn't want, you know, child labor and all this. But every big factory, they have those compliant, um, compliant uh, uh, standard where, you know, you got to be this much apart and you got to have breaks. But they will, they'll have these factories within the suburbs and then they'll have villages of people come and work there and um, nothing will be compliant. But they don't tell like, for example, whatever the brand is in the U.S., like, hey, we're going to go make it over here. But, but they secretly know. Yeah, they secretly know. They, okay. There's probably drugs operation going on there, too, probably. So Okay, so let's say I'm in a small village in one of these jungle Asian yeah. countries. Yeah. When I'm getting paid, do I know I'm getting paid nothing, or is my life so simple that I'm like, this is just kind of a normal job? No, yeah, you don't know. You don't know. It's you like are you're so happy to be there. Yeah. Okay. You're tired was, of shit every yeah. day, but but you're happy like, man, this is awesome. I get to do this. I mean, you don't look happy because, you know. It's still doing, a job. It still it's sucks still, balls. Yeah, and it's a long. It's long. It's yeah. like 16-hour days and seven days a week. But, um, <sighs> but yeah, and you're just sitting there. But, uh, but you're happy. Kind of. Kind of, yeah. You're, I mean, yeah. it's a job. It's you're a job. like, it's not, a, but it's not, you're not like, I'm fucking a slave to this place and they're going to kill me or nothing like that. I, I I haven't seen that, but I wouldn't doubt it if yeah. there's a some place places like at least. Yeah, some places like that, yeah. Cool. Oh, great. This is so fun. In 1980, the Chinese nationalist government operatives running the Taiwanese government used the Bamboo Gang to force the front-running political opponents to drop out of the race. In order to get the opponent to drop out, Bamboo Union members gunned down his wife and daughter in cold blood to send him a message. I would say message sent. <laughs> Next time, just use my voicemail, dog. Maybe a strong worded email. Uh, you guys normally come in five minutes. Just tell me to quit. Yeah. In 1981, Shen Wen Shen, a statistics professor at Carnegie Mellon University, began to speak out against the Taiwanese government. Later that year, the Bamboo Union assassins killed him and then dumped his corpse on the campus of the National Taiwan University. Oh my God, that's like the Harvard of Taiwan. Is like, it nice? It's really nice. Where is it at? Um, Taipei. Taipei. Yeah, but uh, they gotta send a message though. I mean, that fucking sends a message, you know. Especially, you know, they don't seem to. I mean, and a lot of their stuff, it doesn't. From what the stuff. Listen, I'm not. I, I can't speak Mandarin. I don't know. You're the only Taiwanese person. But the stuff I'm reading about, this is not a gang in the sense of like they're like like blowing up buildings, like shooting other gang members all the time. It just kind of seems like they're a little more incognito with their stuff. You know, they're killing a professor for talking shit and the the, the government paid them. Well, again, we, we can't seem like we're bad people. We got yeah, even the gang be, members. Yeah, even gang members. We got to seem professional and legit. But um, but yeah, you can't be talking shit, man. 
Yeah, that is, you know, and that's still a really cool vibe to have. Like, I, listen, I don't know the Taiwanese guys, but I look at the Chinese guys. Like, you know, they'll be like the Chinese circle of trust or whatever the fuck the top guy's there. Yeah. And you'll see him and you're like, just like some small little balding Chinese man. You're like, that guy's fucking insanely scary. <laughs> and he's like, he's like talking to you and everything. But he's really nice. But he's nice. Yeah. But there's that underlying, it's like a shark fin, you know, above. You're like, oh, that's just that's nice. He's not doing anything. You know, people always like make fun of Asians for, you know, being weak or whatever. But it's like. Every time you see Kim Jong Un on TV, the guy that's parading his nuclear bomb, that guy, he's smiling and waving all the time. He looks like the nicest guy you've ever He is the life. nicest guy. Yeah. You want to like but he killed his uncle during breakfast because he said some Oh, he said a lot of crazy shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you he, know what I mean? She, like yeah, he looks like you could give him a noogie and he'd be like, "Ah, get out of here. Come on, man. You're the fucking <laughs> yeah. haircut again." Yeah, but we all have that, I think. It's just we want to be nice and we're just polite on the outside. Yeah, I mean, to me, that seems better than just being like, I feel like Americans are just like out, outlandishly can be rude. You know, you go into a place and you'll see a guy who looks like he may be affiliated with any type of gang, whether white, black, Asian or anything. They're normally like the loudest person in the venue or like, you know, you go to the South and there's some white trash dude just like yelling about shit or you go to some restaurant. So, but yeah. it's more intimidating that way, though. I don't know if it's good. Whatever. I don't think it's good or bad on each side, but it is more intimidating because normally, you know, the culture normally not everybody, but the culture of uh, Asian country is to be polite and you don't ever get like loud, loud, at, although they do. But it's just you want to keep composed because that seemed as weakness. And when you get really loud like that, it's kind of intimidating to me because it's like, oh, he's losing his shit. He's about to do something. So when people, when I first came to America, and people, when people talk shit, I get really nervous. I'm like, oh, I'm about to fight. Yeah, because we're about to fight. Over, yeah, you're, but that oh. never happened. See, I think, I think, I agree with what you're saying, but to me, I think the quiet thing. I feel like, okay, when you're first starting out in life, yeah, the loudest person in the room is the scariest. But yes. then you find out later on that the guy who's using forethinking and doing stuff later in hand is far more uh, terrifying. Yeah. Than the loudest guy in the room, because the loudest guy in the room normally can get knocked out. But the guy that you said something rude to one time, and then now <laughs> he systematically tries to screw you over at every point. So crazy. That's way way more terrifying yeah, for sure. The assassination. This assassination. Oh no. The assassination. Fuck. Okay, let's stop that again. Interesting to fuck up. The assassination that caught the attention of the world occurred on October 15th, 1984, when Wu Tun and Tung Kui Sin walked into the garage of author Henry Liu and shot him in the head and twice in the stomach. I know what you're thinking about. 
Crazy. This happens in Taiwan. That place is wild. Psych, bitch. The Bamboo Union members rolled up and fled on bicycles in Daly City, California, which is kind of in between Sacramento, San Francisco, kind of in that area. The assassination attempt garnered the most attention because the Taiwan government openly admitted to the assassination due to the book that Liu wrote criticizing the Chinese nationalist regime in Taiwan. Wow. So there were, I, I'm a little bit, because I didn't even know this piece of information, but so what happens is, um, the, uh, well, criticizing the Chinese national. Regime. So what happened is this guy uh-huh. named Henry Liu, or yeah. L-I-U, um, yeah, Liu. moved right. to America. A lot of the guys had to leave Taiwan and started talking shit, and then right. wrote this book that criticized the Chinese nationalist regime. I also, listen, I'm not from Taiwan or no Chinese policies. I didn't know the Chinese nationalist regime, is, is that what controls Taiwan now? I mean, not right now. But in the beginning, they were the guys that did it? Yeah, well, Kuomintang is, uh, the KMT is how, is the group of people that fled from China to Taiwan. And a lot of them um, are against, yeah, fled fled with uh, Taiwan. Like when you said the, the, the gangs, mm-hmm. they fled with the KMT, the, the military. But now the Chinese, the KMT, the Chinese nationalist regime that started this all, they're not good, right? Or are they good? Because I thought I thought they were really shitty, and then that's how was it Mao Zedong or whatever fucking guy started the Chinese? Yeah, against them. They were against, against them. Mao. Yeah, yeah. They were against Mao, and then yes. Mao's communist thing rose up and kicked them out. But what I don't understand is so who so the is it the KMT that was criticizing uh, the Chinese? That's why they got murdered. Is that what you're talking? Is, is this what it is? I think maybe at this time in 1984, maybe the Chinese nationalist regime in Taiwan was more of a, f- a factor there in the uh-huh. government or something. Because uh-huh. I'm wondering the same thing. But essentially what I'm reading is um, this guy wrote this book talking shit about the Taiwanese government. And then they openly killed him using the bamboo union to do it. I'm so confused because they're talking shit about the Taiwanese government. And then Liu is talking shit about the Taiwanese government and then he got killed no Liu Henry Liu wrote a book yeah while he was in America talking shit about the Chinese nationalist regime that was in Taiwan so I guess the guys oh, that started okay it. and then I guess those guys are you know there were they're, I think they're the ones that started the government over there and then the Taiwanese government because a lot of these Chinese rational nationalist regime guys or the KMT or whatever you called them um, in the government were probably friends of those guys and then they had this guy killed and then they didn't Give a fuck. And they were like, yeah, talk shit, bitch. We're going to fucking kill you. Yeah. Maybe it translated it wrong. I don't know. You seem very. Well, it's just because the when Taiwanese, like the KMT fled from China, they're against being with China. Yes. So I don't know why Liu would talk. And, and the Chinese national. So maybe that's a different group than, than the KMT because the Chinese national group obviously is for China. But the KMT is against well, I think the Chinese national group are the guys who lost to Mao Zedong. I don't know if that's the group because I, I, I mean, I'm not, you know, I don't know a lot of yeah. shit, but the KMT is the one that lost to Mao Zedong. The, so I don't know if they're We're gonna pause the this. Chinese. No, so Keep talking about Yeah, so I'm going to look it up real quick because this is okay. definitely an important thing. Chinese nationalist regime. So keep talking about if you have anything. Yeah, so if you, I, I don't know if the Chinese. Or the KMT, right? Yeah, KMT is the infamous for, uh, yeah, the Kuomintang. That, that's the people that went lost the civil war and, and fled to Taiwan. 
Oh, the Kuomintang. That's the KMT, right? Kuomintang, yeah. So I guess they're kind of all the same party. They're all the oh, same the thing. Oh, the Chinese national regime is the same party? I think it's all well. of these guys. So I think it's the China, it's the the nationalist gov the nationalist government officially the national government of the Republic of China. State national also known as the Second Republic of China. Hold on, let me move this over. Commonly known as simply as the Republic of China refers to the government of China between eighteen or nineteen twenty five to nineteen forty eight, led by the KMT Nationals Party. Literally, so KMT Kuomintang into English is Chinese National Party. Got it. Okay, I didn't know that. That's what we got right oh, there. Okay, but no, I am familiar with the name Kuomintang. So that's a great one. That's probably helped a lot of people wondering about shit right now. So we already did the King Duck. We are down to. So that's what happened. So someone was talking shit about the KMT yeah. in the government in Taiwan, and they had him killed. Okay. Prior to these assassinations, the Bamboo Union had been integrating well into the international drug trade without many consequences because the Taiwanese government had seen them as an ally in fighting communism. You know, essentially they were like, you know, kind of what America does now with like Blackwater or different organizations, things that they would find, you know, just like Chinese people they want to put on, or just like Taiwanese people or Asian people want to put on a good face. Yeah. I'm not doing this stuff. It's illegal for this government to, but we hire people outside to do our dirty shit. Outsource. The outsource. We outsource. Yeah. yeah. Even Asians are outsourcing. outsourcing. Who would have guessed? Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so they were doing that. So they were doing the same thing. And in exchange for being the secret kind of police for Taiwanese government, uh -huh. they were allowed to sell heroin wherever they want. This yeah. gave them a mostly free pass for a great deal of their legal activities. But a very public assassination of Liu made it look bad that the U.S. had allied themselves with a group that would go on such dramatic measures. Shen Shi Li... And the two assassins were sent to jail, but were rele released in 1991 to return to Taiwan and resume their activities in the Bamboo Union. So that's how, you know, I mean, fuck, America is so goddamn tight with Taiwan. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. So Taiwan, it pretty much was like, we're going to put our nuts on our table. You need us. These guys are our homies. They're only going to jail for a short amount of time. Yeah. I mean, um, I, <clears throat> I'm still... I, I always wondered why the U.S. are so protective of Taiwan, but my parents and a lot of people would say is because it's such a good geographic area yeah, for, for war. And um, I mean, besides that, I don't know what else, but that I mean, yeah, I, I love that. That uh, well, I think I mean we could probably put like nuke silos there or something so that we can hit China because otherwise yeah. we can't get close enough to China to, other than Taiwan. Yeah, and Japan's right there too. Japan too, uh, so, which I think we're cool with, but I don't really 100. percent There's know. probably a lot of nuke silos there. There's <laughs> probably all the whole island is probably just one big nuke. Honestly. There's nuke silos. There's nuke uh, pieces, fragments, yeah. um, nuke everything over there. Yeah. So that's how in the Taiwanese government are with the U.S. I think that's fucking cool. And I think it's cool that they held their balls out and were like, nah, you're not going to fuck with these guys too much. I love that. They did our stuff. In the 1990s, Taiwan held a revolution to organize a parliamentary democracy and remove the Chinese Nationalist Party regime. Do you remember this? The Taiwanese held a revolution. Where they got rid of the KMT? Uh no I don't remember this but they do have another party um Mingjingdang okay this led to a crackdown on gang activity and organized crime and the dwindling of membership in the Bamboo Union probably because these new guys came in that weren't homies with these guys yeah today it is speculated that the Bamboo Union has roughly ten thousand members across the world they still run protection rackets gambling dens international heroin trade construction rackets electronic smuggling rackets and have gotten into hostess bars we're going to talk about hostess bars and some other stuff about that in a second 
So what's the new government? How's that going over there? Um, well, I, and I okay, I didn't know this. So the personal thing is, my my parents. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I should put their business about, but um, they are with the new guys. The new guys. Uh, wait, wait, wait. Go, go, mean that, Oh no, they're with the, they're with the, the old guys. KMT. KMT. The old guys. Yeah, they're with <laughs> okay. the old guys. Okay. But the thing is, the old guys they want to be good with uh, with China mm-hmm. uh, because because of the trade and mm-hmm. all of these things. And the new guys, Min Jingdang, is uh, is more progressive. They're like, no, we're we don't want China. But then the whole country is like, dude. But most of the money is from China right now. But then you know. But so that's what it is right now. So do see uh, everything I've learned yeah. being an American was that you guys hate each other, but you don't. So a lot of older people, they're they're more like, hey, man, we got to eat. Let's just have a good relationship with China. But the thing is, China's already took over Hong Kong, like took back Hong Kong when even though there's a thing that says like you can't take us back for 30 years but uh but Taiwan we also have that thing and I think the only reason why um the China's not really taking over Taiwan right now is because of the America yeah. and they keep on making fun of us they're like oh you think America's going to protect you no they're not and um but yeah that that that's what it is so people younger are they more they're pro more chinese they're more pro Taiwan just becoming its own thing. Yeah, becoming its own thing. Yeah. How do you feel about that? Um, I, I, I'm always in the middle, man. I'm like, yeah, we need a little bit. Why can't we just play but both I, sides? Yeah, play a little bit of both sides. Yeah. But, um, yeah, the other side is like, dude, completely not. But then it's like the tourism. It's one of the bigger things. And uh, and I, I also wonder now the gangs like the the United Bamboo Union. Bamboo Union mm-hmm. um, I wonder if they're with. They have to be with China, right? Because there's so much money. Man, that's one the thing KMT. I've been. The, what's been super hard to find is because it'll be really hard to to be. I, that, I I will bet that it's super hard to find, but I would love to know because it will be really hard to just break off and be completely with the progressive Min Jingdang if the fucking original people and the gangs are with um, China. Yeah, I mean, so I would much ag- power. I would agree too, and also, you know, I've been trying to find Chinese gangs, and uh-huh. they're very hard to find. I think they are pretty. I don't even think they need it. Yeah, I mean, they I think the government. Have it. The is government like is the gang. Yeah, so that can't do nothing. Yeah, so they don't really need it. So I think they're they're. So when I've been trying to, I've been trying, you know, to make this as uh, broad and varying. I don't want to just do mafia and fucking cartel all the time. Oh, okay, because I was afraid that you know. I was like, fuck, I'm deviating. But No, no, no. This is exactly cool. I mean, our first one, we did it on this guy named Dawood Ibrahim Kaskar, mm-hmm. who is uh, one of the biggest gangsters in the world. He's mm-hmm. an, Indian, an Indian guy. Oh, okay. Like, like a India Indian guy. Started yeah. as a thing called a street urchin, where I was like these, when you go to like a movie about India, you see like these kids just running around by themselves. Yeah. Started as that and moved his way wow. up to, to, now he like funds Al-Qaeda and there's huge human trafficking that's rings. crazy it's a badass and so the, well, that's kind of what we all want to do so that's exactly what this is great in. but that's why i've been trying to get into china and they're just like i think one i think the government's the gang i think number two they got the asian thing of we're going to put you know just like china does with everything they're like we're going to put on a good face we're not going to show you the real shit that's actually going on no way bro yeah we're just going to keep that behind here so yes it's damn near f- fucking impossible 
So we're going to get into hostess bars. We're going to talk about these in a second. I'm going to go through a quick little synopsis. You tell me if this is right. What the fuck are hostess bars? So what I understand, it's a mix between a strip club and a karaoke bar. There's liquor, karaoke, women. Clients buy a room. They buy liquor by the bottle. Women come and sit next to them, and they entertain them. The mama-san or the mama-dom-con or the madam can pick the girl. So the mama-san or the madam can pick the girl for you, or you can pick the girl yourself. They come in by one-on-one, and they can be a big root of them, or you can just do, like, one-on-one via, like, kind of like they did in rush hour. Yeah. So there are different types of these. For some reason, it was called JDs. Uh, J- oh yeah, yeah. What is it? What's the word? His Jodian. Jodian, yeah. Jodian is uh, J is like alcohol. Dian is like a store. So Jodian, yeah. Fantastic. This is exactly Wait, how'd you for. how'd you get? That's like really insider shit. Yeah, this that, dude. I mean, I, we go through. I go through shit, and I'll like I'll go to Google Translate it through. I'll wow. Go to like uh, then I got then I got. I mean, the guy who did this one was Joe Hofswell, Doctor Joe Hofswell. He's a professor of communications at uh, Western Kentucky University. R- wow. Yeah. No wonder, dude. I'm really, really impressed because I didn't even learn about it until like I I went, yeah, and then I learned it from um, from my friends and I went to some weird it. website and then copy and paste yeah. it all. That's so cool. there are different types of JDs. John Din, right? Joe Din, yeah. Joe Din. The more expensive the Joe Din, the prettier and the hotter the girls, but the less they're likely to fuck you. Some are straight up hostess bars where the girls just sit next to you, chat, and are basically like a glorified butler. They dance for you. They keep their clothes on. Others are like strip clubs where they sit, chat, and dance and turn off the dance the lights and they'll strip for you and some jds are you can just fuck them and you do whatever you want like anything everything you got to pay to play how deep your pockets determines how much fun you get oh that's exactly that's everything that that's exactly what it is yeah so now these uh joe john are they easily spotted from the outside is like joe's fucking hostess or is like a down an alley you gotta do a weird thing so, like, like uh, the description that you were saying, the more expensive it is, the better establishment it is, and and the girls are, you know, more like they have to get shots and they get tested and all that. And they don't fuck you though. Well, or the, they still might. For it's sure. Just more expensive. If have, if, yeah, they're just more expensive. Yeah. It's just okay. it's all money. Mm-hmm. You know, the girls are there. It's, it's just all money. But um, but yeah, it's exactly like that. But the first time I went, um, I, I went to like different ones. Yeah. And uh, um. There's like different styles too. There's like tea. Uh, there's like tea places too. You, you just go tea and tea. titties. Yeah, tea, <laughs> tea, tea and titties. Tea teas. Like bobas and bobas. Ooh, bobas, bobas and, and boobies. Bobas boobies. and boobies. <laughs> boobies and bobas. Steve's ice boobies. Oh, sorry. Steve, yeah. Uh, but the Jodeon, it's some of them are less classy. Mm-hmm. Um, but the style is pretty much the same. And then, so the less classy ones is this, and then they will look. They don't have a lot of rules, so th- maybe they'll come in like straggle in, like oh here's the and then here's the, and then uh, they don't they kind of look sad. They don't <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> they don't look at you really like a strip club yeah, yeah. like a strip club yeah, yeah. But the thing is, but the good ones there's rules. So you go in this marble table and big room, and uh, they'll come in and um, they'll look at you, they'll smile. They're stoked to be there. They're, they're, they're happy. Probably yeah. not, but yeah. But their souls are dead, but <laughs> don't look in their eyes. But Just happy look on the smile. outside yeah, yeah, yeah. with the brand of yeah. being Asian. It's very polite on the outside. And, um, yeah, and, and I think just because of the style of the cult- culture in Asia is just very systematic and st- structured and long days that every guy is just – because to me, that's not super exciting. No, it's totally That nightmare. to just go and, – and especially with comics, like, we, we you know, we look past the, <laughs> the whole thing. But um, it's not that – 
but because they're so stressed stressed out all day and it's mostly guys doing business especially back then they come and they just get excited and they they pick it's kind of like in rush hour and uh, yeah that's what it said this thing kind of like the rush hour thing yeah it's true yeah okay so i got two questions here Uh first one is how expect like let's say i'm gonna go into one of these rooms and get a girl to maybe i don't know blow me or give me a jerk me off oh and sorry i didn't i didn't answer your question earlier um is it like on the outside i never even knew this exists like you like so they're secretive they're secretive because it's not legal but then everybody knows that that exists like for sure my parents my all my family members that's older and that's something that every single adult knows in taiwan but i didn't even know when i left but is when i went back and hang out with friends and family then like they showed me these things. Well, it's, I mean, we've seen that over and over again in this thing. It's of keeping up an appearance. You're like, no, we don't yeah. have any prostitution yeah. <laughs> or bars here. Yeah. You're like, what about that dark alley? I've never yeah. been there or heard about it. Bro, but. and you don't even see the dark alley is the thing. I've been to establishments that's expensive, that's mm-hmm. like legit, that I would never think like there'll be hookers there or, or like these, uh, these, you know. But then I went with my friend and then he's like, well, this is a place. I'm like, What? there's no way this is a place and then they'll come in the ladies will come in in like a line and then he'll go like this it'll be like 10 girls and then he'll go like this and they'll leave and then a fucking 10 more will come in i'm like where are these girls coming from the kitchen like how are they dressed nicely and smiling and and clean proper where are you hiding because i've been there before and where are they at yeah it's a small place but you have 50 women oh it's a huge place it's a huge it's like a whole building there's floors and shit but then every because every room it's like a it's just a karaoke room and then you go in it's just a normal establishment there's like food yeah it's the restaurant it's like a perfect clean place but then i went with another friend i don't know what he said he just i don't know but then yeah I'm not. I'm not in. In, but um, my my cousins. My cousins are. It's okay. Anyway, no, that's exactly what the yeah. fuck I want to hear, Jason. That was amazing. Right. Um, let's say I'm 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 in fucking Jung Jun Ho, trying to go to a Jundo, Jundon, and I want to. How much like, money do I need? I'm, um, I I, think I want like a hand job, blow job, and then to sing karaoke with my friends. I think the prey pr- price prey. Um, I think the price is the pr- pretty similar to. What American like, would be? Yeah, what American, but I, I would say, like, if it's, like, a classy place, I, I think it would be, like, $100, $200. Um, to rent my whole night or just to get frisky with a hot chick? If you get frisky, obviously, it's, like, you got to talk to the talk to yeah, the yeah. people. Yeah, you take ballpark. It yeah, you ballpark. Yeah, like, 100 yeah, it depends on how far you want to go, and sometimes they milk you, man. Sometimes they're sucking your dick, and they, they, and then now they're, like, hey, you want to you slide it Oh, in. what a great, yeah, great yeah. idea there. Oh, fantastic. Exactly the stuff I want to hear. So they continue even to this day to keep their five-minute response time. So that's great. You know, very Asian. Good job. <laughs> crushing it. It's great to hear. They also have decl- delved into human trafficking and also have con- casino interests in California and Nevada. They also continue to operate by many of their old rules. Members who violate rules are still punished in a very archaic way, but they still prove to be effective. Minor offenses will g- generally lead to the removal of a pinky. And if it's that's only if it's still available, young members who are or a little bit green or new have had ha- arms or legs removed due to making serious mistakes. You ever seen any guys around there with no pinkies? Or okay, arms? this is what's crazy is that because the pinky thing, I think, I mean, it's more normal in Japan, I think, mm-hmm. because the yakuza. Yeah. But I don't. I have seen many guys now 
like older adults when I was growing up with like no pinkies and no arms. And I know for sure because kids, you always ask them, and they just they just go, "Oh, it's construction or yeah, like, yeah. like working somewhere." But now it makes sense. I never thought it was they had that in Taiwan. I always thought it was oh, it's just Japan. But now, like I know, dude, you grow up with you at least know one to two uncles that <laughs> that every kid will tell you they know a guy that doesn't have either the arm or pinky and and this is why i'm learning shit dude yeah this is exactly this why cuz exactly i don't why. know i don't know anyone yeah without one yeah but i love that it's so prevalent in taiwan that you're like well oh, yeah up, i guess we do seen. have neon signs a lot in <laughs> In Sacramento or something. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, I guess that is a kind of a popular place to go. And there's a lot of, like, uh, beggars in Taiwan that, that don't have limbs. And I'm like, what illness was that, that that a lot of beggars <laughs> don't have limbs? And now it makes sense. Yeah, they didn't pay their fucking bets is yeah. probably what happened. God damn. So this is an interesting one that I find. We did the Yakuza. Yeah. Um, They obviously did this to a large extent. Yes. I never understand if I have a gang... Why I'm cutting off limbs? That's like if I had a quarterback and I cut off one of his eyes or his hands. It seems counterintuitive. That's very true. That that dude, that's a great point because it's like, first, at first I'm thinking like, well, who wants to lose a pinky? Like I don't want to lose a pinky, but then I think you're right that you know, if if you have a guy working for you and they don't have a pinky, then it's like. What if I want you to swing this bat and break some, and then now you don't have a pinky? You could have break somebody's knee. Now it just—it's so funny that you even stuff. knew that was the reason, because the what? exact reason why they cut off pinkies in the Yakuza was it made it harder to hold a sword. Yeah, so but like now bat. if you work for me, now you can't even protect me. Yeah, same thing, especially the arm guy. Yeah, what's he doing? <laughs> just <laughs> so you should have never stole that hundred bucks. You're right, sir. I'm gonna try and get this guy. It's like, what is happening? <laughs> Very counterintuitive. Yeah, that's very true. I don't even thought it's like getting number one. Especially when, like, you know, we have to cut off a pinky. I'm like, could it be toe? You didn't say it had to be finger. Yeah. Can we do toe? Please? <laughs> Please? This will also allow members to atone for rules being broken by performing what is known as a three swords, six eyes. In this ritual, the person being punished must take a, a sword. We're going to do that one more time. This allow members to atone for rules being broken by performing what is known as a three swords to six eyes. In this ritual, the person being punished must take a sword and stab themselves through the same part of their body three times. The sword must go all the way through, creating an entry wound and an exit wound. You can picture how that would fucking look. The Bamboo Union has used funerals of former leaders to show their power and influence in recent times. In 2000, well, we can talk about that in a second. Let's go to that. You ever see any people with any, like, crazy scars? I mean, not like that. I mean, that sounds crazy, man. But where would you, where could you puncture it three times within your body thigh. and you won't die, though? Thigh. The eye? Thigh. Oh, thigh? Really? I thought there was, like, whatever artery oh, yeah. that's a thick one. It's three, also, three like. Three times, though? It's also like how big I'd like people be like, see, do you have to use a sword? I'm like, this is a sword. Like, that's a knife. That's a small knife. <laughs> like, no, it's a sword. If I was smaller, it'd be a sword. Yeah, that sounds Hand? crazy. Oh, sword, oh my though. gosh. Hand. Sword. And it has to go through, too, dude. Like, how do you do that to yourself? It'll be so hard. The first second it just poked. I'm like, it's through. You saw it through. <laughs> Everyone saw it through. There's an exit wound. 
I would just be the worst fucking Yakuza or Jesus. bamboo member. They probably got that practice. It has to be in from Japan, right? I mean, that's... Seems yeah, like very... St- like, stabbing yourself seems very Chinese. Mm. I mean, uh, Japanese. Japanese, yeah. But the Bamboo Union has used funerals of former leaders to show their power and influence in recent times. In 2005, when former leader Xu Hai Xing died, so many gang members from the Bamboo Union, Yakuza, and Chinese triad and, uh, and Taiwan triad showed up that there was a six-mile procession of gang members in black suits. In 2007, when Shen Shi Li died, over 10,000 people showed up to pay respects. And, you know, I mean, good God. I mean, as far as gangs go, these guys seem to be the best that you could wish for a gang to be. Like, they go into construction, politics, don't do that much bad shit. Doesn't seem to be a lot of street violence. I think we just want things to, we just want to make money. I think when I say we, I mean them. Chinese people or Taiwan? Both well, these bamboo unions. Oh, bamboo unions. They just guys? wanted to be, they just want to make money without jumping through the hoops. I think that's the theme that they're going. Yeah, it's all criminals. Right? All goddamn criminals. The bamboo union continues to be dangerous to this day. In 2009 of July, hitman Bao Zhao Yi was tasked with collecting a $10,000 debt from a gambler in Las Vegas. The gambler failed to pay his debt, so Bai followed him to karaoke bar where he stabbed him over 32 times by was also linked to a stabbing at a, of a debtor in los angeles that guy died he's currently in prison for his crimes holy shit i didn't know they followed i didn't know they had people they came over to the u.s i, I didn't even know that i think they've been coming over a lot man and i also love the thing of where they just kind of have like one hitman that they kind of send out to do shit yeah guy must be terrifying the Bamboo Union made the news in Philadelphia in 2012 because 180 members were deported for trying to create an internet scam in the country. Motherfuckers are still here doing crazy ass shit. In 2013, the Bamboo Union kidnapped Hong Kong oil tycoon Wong Yuk Kwan and held him for ransom for $8.3 million. They were unsuccessful in acquiring the ransom money and left Wong tied up and beaten in a bamboo hut in the Golden Triangle countryside after 38 days of captivity holy shit dude I, I didn't know that happened either i bet you huang yuk kwong came back to be like you guys just couldn't have paid the eight grand <laughs> she's picking bamboo was out of his it, asshole was 8.3 million right that was the fucking ransom to seem to me to think oh, of yeah. a hong kong oil tycoon i don't think that's very much money yeah that, 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 but but it's about the principle yeah, you can never, you know, give them even, you know, ten dollars because if you, you do, do it once, they're gonna keep doing keep it doing again, it. again. Yeah, that's very good. Hello. Most recently, on March nineteenth of this year, a bamboo union member was caught on camera throwing homemade grenades at a hostess bar. No one lost their life, but only three people were injured. Jesus, still out there, man. Still doing it, you know. It's like, listen, we'll be there in five minutes. Once, it's gonna help you, or we're gonna blow fucking grenades through your hostess bar. The Bamboo Union continues to operate on the world today and still considered one of the most dangerous gangs on the planet. Here's a little picture that was uh, the funeral for Shen Shi Li. Wow. I'm going to say one thing about the Bamboo Union guys. They blend in a lot better than Yakuza members. You yeah, know? because they just look like, like businessmen. Yeah, these look like just straight. They look like they just business got men. off work. Yeah, this looks like, yeah, looks like they're in some sort of subway. And every guy too. Yeah, every dude looks just normal. But look at this guy. Th- this guy looked like he's you know, 
selling um like bento boxes. <laughs> it's the bento man. I've the seen a cartoon guy. of him. Yeah. Interesting stuff. All right, man. That's the time. This is the Golden Triangle right there, I think. Or is it Taiwan? No, no. that was Taiwan. No, it's Taiwan. Yeah. Well, thanks for coming on, buddy. Thank you, man. That's so nice, dude. Really appreciate it. Great job. You gave an insight I really would have liked. Tell some people where they can get you. Only a couple hundred listeners, but where can um, they follow you? Follow me on Jason Cheney, Jason C-H-E-N-Y, uh, on the YouTubes. And, uh, and he has a great podcast named Recess Time? Recess, Recess, baby. Recess, Recess with yeah. Will Burkhart. Check that out. Want yeah. some, one of my best buds, one of the sweetest guys I know, one of the best comics. If he's coming to your town, check him out. Jason, thanks for doing the show. I love you, man. Thank you. Love you too, buddy.